Hi guys, just a disclaimer before the video begins. The first maybe seven, eight minutes on the YouTube version of this podcast, um, the lag is a bit clear to see. So there may be times where it's a bit fuzzy, a bit blurry, but after the first eight minutes, it then goes into normal quality footage. So if you are watching on YouTube, then be patient. It will be better quality picture as the video goes on. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Eurotrips Football Podcast. It's time for another season preview, and this time it's a turn of the champions, that is Manchester City. And with me, I've got a first-timer to the podcast, but a guy I've been on his podcast before, Asleep at Work, which is an NFL-based podcast. We will get more on that at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, here with me today is Aaron Fletcher. How are you, mate? How is life? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, not too bad. It's um, I know I I wish I could be sitting here and saying that you know I was with a fan who, you know, after what you guys done to us the last few years, I wish I could be saying this, I'm not saying you were champions. To be honest, I, I was cheering on Arsenal, but um, at the same time, you know, it is what it is, and I'd rather be Arsenal losing it than us losing it. At least we were nowhere near it this time, whereas normally most of your title wins have come at the expense of us. But um, you know, thank yeah, you. I was asked this before in terms of the NFL, like, because um, with, with with who else kind of with, with supporting the Detroit Lions, we've had years where you know you get absolutely battered, and then years where every game you're in it just about and still somehow manage to lose those really close games. And someone asked me like, "What would you rather do?" And surely, like, it'd be the ones where you lose the close ones because it's it's so you've got the kind of the excitement and you still kind of a lot of those games you're in there. Nope, I'd rather get blown out the water and be able to just say, yeah, yeah, we weren't there. I'd rather not have the added drama of running it myself to the last day. So I don't blame you on that one. I'd rather also not be in extremely close title races whether we win them or lose them I'd just rather not be in the really close title races to be honest with you um, but not just champions either uh, I just want to do want to remind you that we are also champions of Europe mm-hmm. um, just want to throw that one in there as well just to get just to get us going I mean yeah I mean I, I gotta say I actually look for look more fondly back at the year where we finished third after winning the league than I do the year where we not 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 two years ago because he won trophies, but say I, I look more fondly back at that season twenty twenty one the twenty 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 one than I do than I do the um for example the eighteen nineteen season no so not that season that um what am I thinking of the thirteen fourteen yeah I'd, I'd much rather I look more fondly yes. back at that season where we came third miraculously had that great end of the to the season now we did then the year where we came second to you guys because that season where we came third. Apart from maybe, I think we were top of Christmas or around about Christmas, but really since January, midway through January, we knew we weren't winning the league. And for a while, it looked like we weren't even making top four. But when it's the other way around where it's in your hands and, you know, you've got, what was it, four games left to win the league and, you know, the incident with, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying yes, would, but that happened in 2014. And, um, and yeah, like that will, that that's still to this day, along with the Gundogan and Golgan together, those two moments always just still to this day, like break my heart. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, but yeah, no. Also, you going back to obviously not just the Champions League, not just the Premier League, but also the FA Cup, which meant that you're the second team to win the treble. Yes. Behind, obviously, behind obviously Manchester United. First of all, how was that for you? Not only to see, well, three things: not only to see your team win the Champions League for the first time in the club's history, not only to be the second team in history to win the treble, but also to now stop your local rivals not only winning the FA Cup as you did in the final, but also stop them now being the only team not to win the treble. No, sorry, that stop them being the only team to have won the treble. Yeah, um 
I think, look, it's one of those things where the league, we've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt now on numerous occasions. I think, well, it's only been one or maybe two times that we've won the league and it hasn't gone down to the last game of the season. Um, and we, having won the game, sorry, it was like twice now, so having won the league with a couple of games to go, just let, it, it allowed that to, kind of sink in a little bit more, we've done it, it's okay, and we, we can kind of have that celebration on its own. The FA Cup, I've I've said for, for a long time that that, since, in fact, well, to be quite honest, I've seen it on the day as well, that meant so much. And I was I was very lucky to be there in 2011 when, for the semi-final at Wembley where we beat them 1-0. And... I remember being stood in Wembley and looking at a load of the people in the in the stands with us and just saying, "Is this it? If this is if this is it, if this is the pinnacle of this team right now, I'll take it. We've just done United in one nil at Wembley, and it's not even for a trophy. We'll take it. That's that's everything. Um, so to be able to to win the the win the FA Cup against them at Wembley was something beyond anything that any any of us could have asked for. I know a lot of Blues, I think maybe it's the social media performative side of it, maybe it's not, but I know a few Blues who would have said, if you would have asked us if we can win one of the Champions League or that that FA Cup, they'd have taken the FA Cup, for all the crap we were given growing up, for everything that that kind of meant. And I get, I bet you any money now, if you turn around to a, an Everton fan now and ask them the same thing, if they were in the Champions League final or they had the chance to do Liverpool... At Wembley, I bet a lot of Everton fans would love to just take the one against Liverpool at Wembley, um, because because of that because of the rivalry. But, um, the the Champions League was really beyond the special one. The last when we were in the final a couple of years ago, I was working all day, and I just got off. I was um was recording something in Manchester, and I got off a little bit before the final started. So, all day I was busy which kept my mind off it, whereas this time round, I had nothing on. And I kind of sat on my own almost all day in my own like little little space and then started watching the BT coverage. And when it comes to football, my wife is fuming because I wouldn't, I didn't have, apparently I just looked stoic on our wedding day. But when anything football related comes on the TV like this, I am a, I am buckets of tears. So I'm like getting emotional in it in it all, and I was uh, I I have a thing where no matter what I like to try and watch as much of this football with my little brother. Just turned thirteen. Mine and his uh, grow our growing up with Manchester City has been very very different. Um, up to the age of about thirteen, so I was watching the final with my little brother, and he said, "I think one thing I just I kind of just want to throw out here before we move on." He looked at me and he said, "Oh." What do you reckon to today? And I went, don't even talk to me. I feel sick. I feel sick to my stomach. I don't want to talk about it until that fi- until the final whistle goes. Don't talk to me. I want to watch it and I want to be here with you for it, but don't talk to me. And he goes, what are you on about? It's only Inter Milan. We'll do them. Uh, it, it took me a minute to have that whole kind of, his relationship with this club is very different what he's witnessed throughout his lifetime and the expectation that he has is very, very different from what I grew up with watching and the expectation I had. He had the David Silvers and the Sergio Agueros. I had your Antoine Sibierskis, your Joey Bartons and your George Samarases. We are different people in this sense. And I, yeah, I nearly decked him. But that that was beyond <laughs> special. I, I spent an hour in the garden after, in silence. After we, we'd done the trophy lift and all that sort of stuff, but I just kind of sat there taking it in. And the next day, I was in Leeds, doing some work, and again, just I, I think it just good to get my mind off it because otherwise, I was in my own little world. And I I, I just kind of said to someone the other day, uh, they were asking like, um, how do you feel about? about it all and, and the Champions League and winning it at that. I was like, I was at the parade. I watched the bus go past multiple times. I've seen 
that trophy in the hands of Haaland and Diaz and Ake and all and that. I've got photos of it that I took and I still don't believe it. So it's it's something that I know it's a very long winded way of saying it, it's something beyond anything that I could have ever asked for. So the the kid growing up watching Manchester City and just hoping we stay up is is something that I'm gonna say this very careful, I won't say it's something money can't buy, but that's a, that's not a conversation for today. Um it's something that it, it's beyond the wildest dreams uh that I think I could have asked for, especially as a child. So still that, don't believe it though. That is fantastic. I mean it's one of the things where I genuinely feel that we had the chance to do a treble the year we won the league, you know, but then we had that week where Adrian basically lost both games with us the FA Cup and the Champions League. And, you know, I, I thought that that was for me. That season for me was really, I'll say to my dad, this is as good as it's going to get. We're 15, 20 points clear in the league. You know, we were flying high in the Champions League and we were doing all that. And also then COVID hit and it came a different story. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where my brother was sadly too young when Manu won the treble, but I'm sure he'd have been the exact same as you. I mean, Really, life doesn't get doesn't get any better than that. And really, for you, we are sort of skipping questions slightly ahead of time. But sort of what you experienced now, the treble. You know, I know you got the Super Cup to look forward to and the Club World Cup. Really, in terms of the season coming up for Man City, but in the future, can it get any better than that? Really, with the first Champions League win, beating Man United to the FA Cup, winning the treble, winning really what what some people thought was a one horse race, and winning it with five games remaining or whatever it was. So. For you, going into this season, does it, does it feel like it really can't get any better? And really, is it hard to get hyped up for it, the fact that it, you know, it can't get better than what for, in life, maybe, than, than what you had last season? Do you know what? I, I, I said to you before, I've, I've been thinking about a lot of the things you were going to ask me today. And it's really hard. To, this is probably the hardest question I'll ever have to answer. I, I just, I don't know. Um. It's that old adage of like kind of the first time you do something will always be more special than the second time or the third time. And I think you look at how just how truly difficult it is to win a treble. And any kind of treble, and I know that we, we in this country we call it we, we have the treble where it's the Champions League, Premier League, and FA Cup. And I know that you've had Liverpool have done a treble. Um no matter what, that's just, it's so difficult to do. And so it, it's, how do you, how do you as, as I don't know, look, we, everyone can argue about who's the best of all time, but I think it's undoubtable that Pep's an elite level manager and a, and a, he's, what he's incredible at is getting the best out of the people that he works with. Um, how do you walk into that dressing room right now and say, Right, let's go again, and let's have that hunger. Your younger players, your Foldings, your Harlands, um, people like uh, players like that. Harlands got other goals, and Foldings got other goals to work towards for the rest of the career. They're they're players who were only just starting the careers, so they'll have a million other goals that they're working towards. But a lot of will be said about this probably. Later on in the in the podcast, but like your Mareses, who um your Bernardos, the the Gundogans of the world. What do you say to people like that? And I know Gundogan's already gone, but your Kevin De Bruyne is. What do you say to them? They're nearing the end of the career. This is this is the best it's going to get for them. So I don't know. It's to be seen, I guess. I don't think it will. As a fan, I don't think it can get any better. And might have to recognise that nothing's going to quite hit this same feeling again unless we do a Real Madrid and win the Champions League like three, four times in a row or something like that. And you can claim something else that's historical, but nothing we do now from this point, I don't think, will be historical or game-changing or anything like that. It's the, the, the big things have been done now. That is it. And I think that Really, I think people are looking at how City gonna, how can a team dismantle City? How can they do what Liverpool did a few years ago and stop that run? How how can the team 
top them. I think really that really I think will be the, the the best way to do it rather than on the pitch. I think that in terms of talent on the pitch, I think that you know people look at the likes of Arsenal getting Declan Rice and that could improve Arsenal. People look at Chelsea having Poch now and they're getting rid of a lot of Deadwood and Man you've just bought a nut or buying a Nana Nana I should say uh, who played very well in the final um, and you look at other like Casper Hodgland who could be a superstar. And I think all these things come to factor, but really I think that's the thing that's going to stop City winning the league is the fact that is the desire. I think that's really that helped us in a way because City players had won two in a row. They you know that 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 desire wasn't there as much. And I think that, you know, we saw we saw Jack Reader celebrate a lot and all the players were celebrating a lot. John Stones, De Bruyne, Harland, all these players were were basically celebrating like they knew it. It was like this is as good as it gets. And I think that is really that's going to stop City winning the league is the fact that it's their desire. Are they going to have that desire to go again? Whereas you saw other teams, like I think Arsenal may have what we had when we won the league in terms of that desire to, you came so close to winning it and you met, and you haven't really lost anyone. Obviously, Dave, unlike us, bought players, improved their squad. And I think that's why Arsenal could be more of a benefit than City because they they know what it's like to lose the league. They saw the City players win the league. They lost that game at Forest and they would have then on been very keen to make up for that. And I think, really, other teams might get involved as well. But I think that these teams need to be aware, aware of that. And that's really how they can capitalise on that. And I think that's the way City are going to... They're almost going to beat yeah. themselves rather than be, then, um, teams beat them. I think that's the best way... For teams to try and beat City, but um, I think so. And so, just just to kind of cap, just to kind of jump on what you're saying there as well, though. I think you, we're going to lose a lot of pieces this summer. Like I said, Gundogan's already gone, <laughs> and there there are a number of players who are reportedly ready to leave, if not pretty much already packed the bags and houses up for sale and all that kind of thing. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of refreshing going on within the within the squad, um, which uh, believe it or not, I was reading a stat the other day that actually throughout the year in the the year in the Premier League we had less players play throughout the season than almost any other club in the league. So like that whole kind of we've got four we've got four squads that had walked the league was it, the the squad was already pretty quite quite pretty thin to be quite honest with you. So we're losing quite a few pieces. Um, and what I've seen Liverpool do, especially with the McAllister signing, which I thought was fantastic. Um, very, very jealous of that one. And then watching what, unfortunately, United are doing and Arsenal have done. And well, I, I'm not hundred percent set on Chelsea, but I do like Pochettino. I think he's a very good manager, and we'll get Chelsea going again in some way, shape, or form. Everyone's strengthened themselves. And we need to be careful of that. That league was still very close for some time, and Arsenal's biggest problem was the when things started to go against them, having the appropriate backups to come on and change a game and things like that. But they've got that; they're adding those pieces now, so they're not going to struggle as much throughout the season. Those the, those kind of dips that they went through are not going to be as big. Liverpool, you can't keep Klopp down for very long if you can keep Klopp down. With whatever investment we'll talk about, Klopp gets the best out of people. And so far, what we've seen from Eric Ten Hag, especially in the second half of the season, is a million miles off what Man United were in the first half of the season. So if they continue that run of form, I think with what could potentially be a regress, I don't think... We might not even be in that title race this year. I think it could be, you know, that everyone else has strengthened themselves in a lot of very, very good ways. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think that I think Poch is a different side. It's interesting to know how he's you know, he's not famously not handle egos when he's at PSG, and it's interesting how he's going to manage with a team where. You know, unlike Tottenham, where we had a set eleven, it's I don't think Potter knew. I don't think Lampard knew their best eleven. And I think that if he finds his best eleven, I think it'd be fine. But there's so many players they brought in that could be the issue. But I think the teams you mentioned there, I I don't think we'll be involved. I think top four, I think we'll make. But I don't think we're at the moment. I don't think we've done enough for me personally to warrant challenging for titles. And I think that losing Henderson for his impact in on the dressing room and all that, I think could be could be a big loss. A bit like when you were lost Vincent Company for the first year. Um, but really talking of um big misses in the team, I mean just going for quick the quick ins and outs. I mean, um 
loans out. Of course, Liam Delap's gone to Hull. He's the main one, really. Callum Dawes gone to Leicester. But other the two main outs include Benjamin Mendy, who you know I can say his name now because he has been cleared. Um, mm-hmm. But also the big one, Ilkay Gundogan, and he's obviously I've said it before many tweets. I said it to you privately that I think he is the next, the most close thing we've got. Didier Drogba is Gundogan because every big game, whether it's FA Cup final, two goals, whether it's Premier League, obviously the Villa game last season, I think he scored two that day, um, and also the goal against, was it against Leeds or against Everton, one of the best goals I've seen all season. Everton. Every big game, every, yeah, every big game, whether it's this season, last season, or the years before, he was a big part of that. And I think that whilst well, you brought in only one player that was Kovacic to replace Gundogan, and I think whilst you know, I do think he's a great player and I think that he's very underrated, do you think that the loss of Gundogan, how crucial do you think that'll be? Because Kovacic, as good as he can be on the pitch, I don't think anyone, let alone him, can replace what Gundogan had in terms of just how clutch he's been in big games and big moments for Man City over the, the Pep Guardiola uh, era. Yeah, well, he, he was Pep's first signing for a reason. He was, I think, it it took until, I feel like after the Everton game, not the Everton game. After the the Aston Villa game season before, when he's when he won us the league and it, with with like fifteen minutes to go, people I a lot of people, including myself, actually turned around and went like, it's it it's been easy to overlook someone like Gundogan for a while until and unfortunately we live in 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 kind of a society where we look at the goals and the assists rather than necessarily the genuine impact that someone's having, and Gundogan's been clutch and been fantastic for since he joined he's had some bad games he's had some incredible games but over the last couple of years I think it's stepping up in that role of bringing those goals and assists as well especially the goals that he's done I think more than more than before in the big games but he's been we we can talk about the Villa game, uh, the Villa game. We can talk about the United game. We can talk about the goal against Everton. But actually, and I think I never forget that goal he scored against Tottenham. I think where Edison just lumped it forward and he took that one touch. And I can't remember who the Tottenham defender was, but he left him flat on his face. And it it's it so funny looking back at it now because I just watched the def- watched the Tottenham defender just fall on his face in the box. But again, goals like that. His technical skill is out of this world. His ability to turn up in a big game is incredible. And the leadership that he had, he was captain for a reason as well. And I've watched some of the documentaries, the behind the scenes stuff, uh, uh, how he's kind of talking to the team. I was getting them going and how the whole squad absolutely love him and look the way they look to him. The there's a, And there's a reason. Reason why some of the interviews he's been having with Pep, he's going. He looks like he's going to go into coaching or management after afterwards, and that shows in just his personality and who he is and the way he is on the pitch. He's a true born leader. So I think you you you've got the ability on the pitch, but you've also got the leadership and the person side of it as well. And I I don't know Kovacic. I'm not going to turn around and say he's a bad guy. He seems like a lovely person from what I've seen, but how his personality will mold into the dressing room. Is, is remains to be seen. But kind of that on the pitch thing, I think Kovacic is never going to be to replace him. Gundogan was, I think, what's it, is it La Pausa, the, the Spanish term that Pep likes a mix and he likes a few La Pausa players who stop the game, take a second, see the whole game for what, for what it is. And I don't think Kovacic is necessarily one of those players. And Pep likes a La Pausa player for a La Pausa player, not um, and so I think it's going to be a case of two or three players are going to need, as as daft as it might sound at times, two or three players are going to be needed to to fill Gundogan's shoes and the role that he played in stopping the game and having the vision and being able to be box to box and being able to play the passes and being able to get into the box and do those things. Three or four different players might have to take that role on. Your Foden's, your please for the love of God, your Bernardos will be the ones who will probably have to, as as a kind of a community, take that role. Yeah, Cause... I agree. I agree. And especially the fact that we've seen so many players over the years have struggled in their first year under Pep. I mean, Greedish famously 
Uh, Rodri, you know, has gone on for me now. He's the best DM in the world, certainly in the Premier League. Um, and I, I think that he he took a while. He took a year to settle in. Um, you know, some players straight away, you know, likes of Haaland, but a lot of players they took a while to settle into Pep system. I think that when you mix in losing such a key part of the dressing room, both on and off the pitch in in Gundogan. And you're placing him in that position with someone who hasn't yet had a time to adapt to Pep system, and he may be one of those players that do again take a while. So, I think, you know, I think City, I think they're you're in a position where you can you can sort of almost if you don't win the league, but you can win the Champions League, then it's like oh that's absolutely fine. So I think you know City last year, I think I'll be shocked if we don't win some sort of trophy next year, whether it's Premier League or Champions League or even like a cup double or something. I think that you know it is the law of averages. No one. You know, very rarely, especially in Premier League, do you see a team win it again and again. And no one's won it four years in a row. And that could be the desire they need, being the first team to win four Premier Leagues in a yeah. row. So I think that is something they could look at. But I think, you know, I think they have to be really wary of the likes of Arsenal and Manu for me. And I think that, yeah, I think that is really where we have where you have to look at it. So that leads me really to our next question, which normally is at the end of the podcast. But we sort of flipped the script today a little bit. We sort of gone against the grain, but... These are the podcasts. I apologize. I tend to do that to people. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's you know, I, I um, I don't sound too sentimental here, but it is, it is like nice when these podcasts happen because it is, it's just more, shows more natural conversation. And I think yeah. that it's, it shows, obviously, me and you have been on podcasts before. We've DM regularly. We're not, it's not like we're talking for the first time. So we, we can have that more relaxed and natural yeah. chat. So, um, yeah, it's good, it's good to have it. But yeah, we've mentioned it then. Table prediction, of course, you are the um, fifth. Guests to come on so far. So we've had Newcastle, Forest, Bournemouth, and Villa. Um, now it's clear from that, that you're going to be the most optimistic fan of the five in terms of table position. With so far, Keg having the lead, the way he was fifth. Eduardo, our Villa fan, had seventh with James uh, his thirteenth for Forest and Oliver Lee's fourteenth place for Bournemouth. So obviously, we know it's going to be higher than fifth. I think it would be a crazy one to put you fifth or sixth. But yeah, you know, what quick question for you, Aaron? Where in the table are Matity finishing this season? I'm going to be a bit conservative and say second. Okay. It feels really weird to say I'm being conservative. We're just not quite going to win the league. That feels really, really, really weird to say. But after you've won three in a row, it feels almost conservative to say. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we'll miss out on it this year. And I, I've, wouldn't be entirely surprised if we came third, but I'm going to say second just because we find a way not to drop it too far. <laughs> um, and a quick bonus question. Um, things like Super Cup, Club or Cup and Champions League, how far do you see your team going in those competitions? I mean, we win the Club World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Champions League is a really weird one. Because I think we go far. I'm going to say semis, um, get to the semi-finals, and then I don't know, get beat by like Real Madrid or something, um, <clears throat> and then like FA Cups. I think we'll end up quarterfinals. So I don't think we're going to go on as hot a run this year in in either of the club competitions. Um, I think it'd be like quarterfinals or something again in both the League Cup and FA Cup. I'd love to see us go further. Maybe it's been a little while since we put our name on the best trophy of the lot, the League Cup. So maybe we can go on a bit of a run there. Um, That was our trophy for a while. It was ours, we think, what, four in a row. So mm. it'd be nice to get that one back back in the back in the stadium. But I think, yeah, I, I think we struggle a bit more domestically this year. Interesting, interesting. So we normally ask um, all of our guests who come on the podcast for the first time, whether it's my NFL one across the pod or whether it's this one, we ask we, we ask the fans, why you're a fan of that team? Now, with Aaron, your, with your accent, we're going to avoid asking you why you're a fan because we know why you got the Manchester accent, we know it's City. But, of course, you've got a different story than normal that you've told me before about the fact that you almost went against the family family team. Yeah. yeah. So my dad's a Man United fan. My mum is a Liverpool fan. Uh, most of my family, especially on my dad's side, all Reds. 
all Man United on my mum's side. They're pretty much all Man United, apart from my uncle, who's a City fan. He didn't really have much to do with this, but it's nice that I did have someone growing up to wallow with uh, every now and again. But yeah, so I kind of, I'm a wind. You won't be able to tell by this, but if you ever, if you ever knew like properly, I'm a wind up merchant, um, and I think I've grown out of it. I haven't, but I was way worse as a child. I just wanted to wind everybody up and go against the green on everything. You tell me that the grass is green, well, I think it's grey, or or purple, or something. Um, so it naturally, logically followed that when my dad took me to my first my, uh, first football game, which was United-Celtic in like 2000 or something, um, I decided at that point I was going to be a Manchester City fan. And you know when, like, so I, I thought it was dead funny and it would wind everybody up. And after a little while, like, you kind of go, go around it for about a year. So I was watching City games, all that sort of stuff, but just kind of... In my head, it was just to wind my dad up, and but my dad never actually got wound up. My uncles did. It really wound them up. But you know when you kind of get to a point where United are obviously... This is like late 90s, early 2000s, so United are shit hot. And you know you get to a point where, like, if I turn around now, City are rubbish. If I turn around now and say, I'm only joking, I'm really a really United fan. Like, I'm a glory hunter, and I've just... Of course you are, because United have just won the Premier League, or... Of course you are, because United are on top at the moment, City are in Division 2. So I think it's one of those where like you kind of have to sit there and go, right, no, I think I'm stuck with this now. Crap. Um, dig, dug myself in way, way too deep into a hole. Uh, well, who, who's laughing now, though? That's all I say. <laughs> exactly. Is, but yeah, so what went against the family to be a bit of a wind-up merchant and found myself stuck with, uh, with, with Joey Barton and Richard Dunn and Sylvan and, and, and that lot. So, le- lesson learned, it might be a bit crap at the first time. If you decide to be a wind-up merchant and go against the grain, it's not good at first. But 10 years later, 20 years later, you will have the last laugh. Yeah, I think that's just, that story alone is proof why, I mean, why you should never ch- change teams. For me, that is, you know, people going about, oh, support your local and all that, and I don't really believe in that as much as of, criticize some people who don't do that obviously i'm normally the on receiving end of these kind of comments but you know you look at things like the two team thing always always bugs me but the one thing i think is the biggest crime in football to fan to change teams i think that you know there's sometimes things i can understand why i mean the likes of you know going to act at nfl why brand fans have changed teams recently or for example i can i can even get behind some teams changing from newcastle with the saudi stuff going on especially if you're part of the lbgtq plus community i can see why you would change teams in that sense but yeah other, other than that if it's just because you like a team they're doing better at the moment i think that's that's the worst thing and i think that there's actually there's a couple of people in my school i mean one guy changed from Portsmouth to Newcastle, which for a while seemed like a bad thing, but looking back at it now, it was a good thing to do. But even then, I would never have changed teams. And then I got a friend in the school of mine who, you know, we have drifted apart, I'm not going to lie, uh, but he was a Man U fan until 2012, funny enough. Even though his family is from City, he did change to City. I still think if, if, you're, in, if you're in sixth yeah. form, at that, you're, not, you're not a kid, at that point, you should have your team. And if you're claim to be a fan of a team you shouldn't then change teams so no um i think you know you've been rewarded in a way for not for really you've rewarded for not being a glory hunter because there are a lot of younger fans who have that sort of name tarnished with them glory hunter if they're a fan who is below the age of 15 they can always have glory hunter fashioning but you actually went against the grain in a way you didn't pick a team who was winning all the trophies you went for a team that was in division two at the time which for all younger yeah. listeners is what is what now is league one so you yeah. know you've, you've been there for the hard times and you've seen the team rise up so in that sense, I think it's actually a good thing you you didn't pick Man U because you, whilst you had a great childhood, you'd had a great 15 years, even though I think now getting back to old times a little yeah. bit now, I think Ten Hag is doing a great job. I do think at the same time, yeah, you have been rewarded, you have been rewarded for that. Yeah, and it's it, sometimes it, it's about what, how you fall in love with football, I think. So for someone like yourself, the Liverpool team you grew up with, was incredible and just just an in- incredible t- and they make you fall in love with football I think if I was to go with 
at, at that young age who who I fell in love with football for it would I would have just I would just be a Barcelona fan or I think looking back at being like seven and eight it'd be that Arsenal team and the Invincibles team with your Henri's, your Bergkamp's, your Lundberg's, your Perez's, Vieira's, Sol Campbell's. What an, like what the, the team just played beautiful football the whole way through. And, but I learned way too quickly the, the learned way too quickly the words to feed the goat, feed the goat, feed the goat and he will score. So my mum still recalls to this day, how I'd be like five, six years old, walking around my house singing it and having like my uncle, I'd be at, with, be at my nans or something and my uncles would be like, shut the fuck um, Like, please stop him sing. Tell him to sing um, one, two, Georgie Best or whatever the, however the chant goes, I can't remember, instead or something. <clears throat> but it's, it's what I think once you, once you kind of, yeah, once you get that club and, if you if you truly do embrace that, I you truly do kind of fall in love with the sport through it. They're yours, then that's it. I I couldn't agree more. So I, and I think for me, following the NFL was a bit of a kick in the like a kick in the face for because I held that whole kind of support your local for so long. But how I can sit there and say support your local and then also be a large fan of a team in a spot that plays three and a half thousand miles away and then somehow justify the same thing when you're also, I know you get the argument of like, well, it doesn't matter whether they're good or whether they're bad, they're your local team, they're your team. And it's like, well, we have an American football team in Manchester. And for, for the English, for our... um. But for our Brit Ball League, they're very good. For the Baffa League, they're very, very good. The the current uh champions of, of the Baffa League. But I still support the Lions rather than I, I go watch the Titans sometimes, but um I still support the Lions. So like have it been <laughs> having to kind of when you realise that that kind of it gave me a new new perspective on actually what it means and how dedicated you have to be sometimes to support a team from so far away and I look at some of the teams that have like yeah some of the fans that are in like um Eastern Asia, Australia, because uh, I have a, one of my uncles now lives in Australia and still pretty much watches every single United game. We've got as you will as well, you have lots of friends in the States uh that we met through social media and things like that and you realise how like some of these people are getting up at five in the morning, four in the morning, or they're also staying up till three, four in the morning just to watch these games happen. So you you can't knock the the commitment and whatnot that some of these people have to actually support us. It, it's and yeah, as long as you with once you've latched onto that team, as long as you're with them then and that's your team. Yeah, I mean, they'll also be at sleep at work, just to uh, put the pun in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, to be honest, I think there's a quick quote I um, heard years ago on, the show you might like, I don't know, Coronation Street, where they said that you can't help who you fall in love with. And I think that there's a bit of that the football, because in the day, you know, I had no choice in my team, Liverpool. Like, my dad forced it on me when I was four years old. I mean, I've got my mum's grandparents actually are from the Wirral. My my grand, my, grand, my great-grandpa especially, he, um, you know, he got he played two reserve games at Everton. So I've always got that get-out clause. My dad forced on me. He's from Wales, like myself, you know, and first game he watched Liverpool, you know, losing at FA Cup final. And I think that he always gets tainted with that glory hunter role. But for me, six years old, what a thousand two, wherever I was back then, I had no concept of glory hands. I was basically given a team and that was it. And I think a lot of people have that. And I think at the same time, I, you know, I've got Newport half an hour away, I've got Cardiff an hour away, but and I was born in Cardiff, but you know, I don't really like Newport that much. I'm not I, I don't I'm not from there, but I don't don't like don't like the city that much. And with Cardiff, I'm I don't I don't live there. So in the day it's like it's not as if there's a team that, like where I'm the town I'm from, it's not a team of that there's one that plays in the third division of Welsh football, but I've been I've been playing kick about with my mates on the same pitch of their training ground, their training session going on at the same time. I just kicked the ball around. So 
you know, it's, I, I do think the day that I think whilst, you know, if you support your local team, then great. But I think these days people are, some people are supporting two teams because they feel they have to support their local team. I know people, I've met people who go, I'm a Man U fan, and I'm a Swansea fan, or a Man U fan, I'm a Newport fan. Like, but at the end of the day, they've only been a fan, a, t- a fan of this team for like three or four years. And I think that people now are almost feeling pressure to support their local and therefore doing, for me, a more, a more of a cardinal sin of having two teams. Because what happens then yeah. when these two teams meet? Because you're going to have, Gonna have to want one of them to win, and you can't sit there and be a fan if you told me, "Oh wait a sec, I actually support this team by one of them lose against this team." So, for me, I think that they support who you want to support as long as you don't change teams. Yeah, two teams, who really gives a shit? That's and basically it, that's basically it. I think for me as well, there's the, that bit of like, uh, as long as you kind of have a reason other than that team won trophies, mm. and I like teams that win trophies. For like, if you were to turn around and say. I I get that you've already had that kind of the reasons behind it, but if you turn around to me and said said Stephen Gerrard, that as a kid you loved Stephen Gerrard, I get that. Uh, or you know, if I was talking to someone now and they said, "Listen, Aguero was my favorite striker," or Harlan. Now we've got a lot of people who've coming through through Harlan. You get a lot of. Uh, Al Halal are looking like they're going to get it, but we've had a lot of Algerians within the Manchester City framework because of Mares. And some people nowadays will follow a player rather than a team. And I get it with, with countries like Algeria that aren't exactly world renowned for their football in prowess and, and the, the, the players that they've continuously produced for decades. They have one or two players here and there and they, are so proud to have that player be from Algeria that they're going to follow it. I get that. But as long as there's kind of, there's a reason behind it, whether it's the football that they played, whether it's some of the players that you really felt attached to, whether it's you looking at maybe, I don't know, you used to just simply go, or you felt an attachment to the place or the city or, you know, there, there, there are many ways that you can do that and still have what I feel is is a legit reason that's not just simply, well, you know, they won. So, sound I like that bit, and I we'll stick with that. Um, like you find a lot of like you find a lot of people who have done, but even then, I think I'm fortunate enough to know quite a few people who did say start supporting United during those during those kind of late nineties, mid two thousands who for their sins may have stood by that team throughout the last 10 years when listen, I, I, I've watched my team in league in now league one that was what I think that I've watched my team get relegated that was heartbreak so I feel like turning around and saying you know finishing seventh that year was true heartbreak but they've stuck by the club through for what will feel like a lot of thick yeah. so I, I can appreciate that because they've stuck by it and stuck with it yeah, I think my brother, my brother's the same thing. I mean, he became a fan in nineteen ninety nine. Um, the first game he ever watched was Man U by Munich, and I think that whilst also his reasoning is clear to see, he hasn't neglected the team in the last ten years. He's he's watching every game on TV. He's not really a big stage and goer. That goes for any sport, but it, in terms of TV, he'll be watching every game. So I think that. And I think that whilst you know I'm not someone who recommends people to support a team because of a player because one day they will leave or they retire or they'll yeah. you know and somebody one of your former players spend time in jail you know and do something bad like I think there's always a reason why you should be I think the city and connection with the place is probably more for me something I recommend especially you know NFL sport we both love I always say to people who want to get into it pick it based on a don't pick it based on the player and I think that with football as well. If you've got a city that you love, that you've been to, like we had a, a Bournemouth episode, Oliver Lee is not from Bournemouth, but he went to a lot of holidays when he was a kid in Bournemouth. So therefore, that's why he chose Bournemouth. I think that, that yeah. these kind of things are commendable. But I think absolutely, things like Algeria, I'm sure if, you know, I could have easily become a Gareth Bale fan for, for Wales or you know, I'm sure a lot of, you know, other countries where they got one star player like South Korea, for example. I bet there's a lot of Spurs fans because Son Young Mon Young Min Son, I should say. Sorry, yeah. and I think that when he leaves, I think a lot of fans will jump ship to whoever he goes. And I think that 
that is, that is that is a big thing. Like, I think that we um, there was... I I think certainly if you go oh because of they win trophies, I think that's probably the one way. Like, come on now, yeah. Like, the day, no team wins trophies forever. Like you know, by Munich yesterday had their bad time in the noughties. They were in the Europa League or UEFA Cup at one at one point. They played yeah. Um, they played they played someone I forgot they played now in the in the noughties in the in UEFA Cup and it. I feel Bolton. I think it was Bolton Wanderers. I think so. It's um, yeah. I think yeah, because Bolton Bolton were really good in the mid two thousands, weren't they? They're JJ Kutcher, steady off. So good they named him twice. Yeah. Um, but let's move on because we we're, yeah. we're on a massive tangent here. But it's been a good yeah. chat. But um, in terms of follow a couple of questions, I know you told me you've got two parts to these questions. The first yeah. of all, favorite ever City player. So, yeah, so kind of growing up, it was Sean Wright Phillips. Um, and all time, I, to this day, I, I, I will, I think it'd be a long time, someone like Haaland would have to continue on this trajectory that he's on for now for like 15 years at City and only City um, to shake this David Silver. He's, okay, okay, that's, 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 he's a player favorite that of all time. Yeah, I mean, he, I think that, the best ever players, I think that the three for me have got to be, or four you said, Company, Torrey, David Silva and Aguero, but I think that for me, I think the strong case was David Silva because he was there from the start he was there since 2010 yeah. and for me, I know I was meant to go to a Saucy Dead game in March, but either I am, didn't I lost my passport, but you know, chance to see him play was something I was very excited for. And there's not many players for your team of this era that I love because they've broken my heart so many times. David Silva is somebody you can't really hate. You can't really hate because he's so good on the like, to watch him. So the players to watch, I don't think I found many better in the Premier League than him. I generally don't think I do because he he saw some players, you know, some players like you might be a bit like Nadal, no, sorry, Federer, I should say, because he makes it look effortless. He's some players, you know. You can tell they've worked at it. Ronaldo is obviously the best example of it. But some players like a Messi, they they you can you can clearly, clearly tell they were born to play football. And I think David Silva was one of them. Effortless, controlled. He was he was never he was never bulky ever. He was always a skinny guy. Um, speaking from personal, I'm I'm a skinny guy myself, and I know what it's like. And I've been absolutely muscled in the, in the midfield when I played football in school. And the way he can just pick up the ball and just no 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 one can get to him. And he makes these passes, whether it's to the left, to the right, whether it's through balls, always with such a seat, always with such ease. So for me, he yeah. was a player that I think many, not just myself, many loved watching. Yeah. And he's one of those for me. I've always, and my, again, my, my, my poor suffering wife can attest to this. How often I, I, I turn around and said, that's the guy who I'll be telling my grandkids. And they're talking about whoever they're talking about in 40, 50 years or whatever, whatever kind of generation I'm a granddad. And this is this is what they're uh, they're at the age where they talk about football players. It, I'd be that granddad who's going, listen, I watched David Silva. Right? I watched him play many times in front of my own eyes. And you have no, I, I'll never forget being told kind of early age going to, to the Etihad and having some, uh, an elderly gentleman saying, "Listen, you don't know how good Colin Bell was, or Mike Summerby and whatnot." And again, like the, I'll be that guy, but with David Silver, um, spreading pure David Silver propaganda for the rest of my life, um, and I, I, cu- I couldn't agree more. And I'll never forget the day in the days that we'd signed him just after Spain had won the World Cup in two thousand and ten, and some of the comments. That were getting made were like he's just he's too small, he's gonna get bullied off every ball. And I think someone said you'd be lucky if we see him for two years in the Premier League. And what ten years later, we we he just he just left and a, a wonderful gentleman of um one of my wife's good friends at work was saying that he'd gone on holiday to some like Grand Canaria went off to like, because obviously when you go near the beach and it's all full of tourists and uh, Tenerife, sorry. Um, when you go to the beaches and it's all full of tourists, this guy was like, listen, I'm going to go about 10 minutes up the road 
to a little cafe because there's no tourists, because tourists don't go that way. Sat there having like a coffee or something like that. And who sat next to him? David Silva in this no cafe. No way. And he was like, listen, like, I'm really, really sorry. I know you're in the middle of Tenerife and you're trying to have a relaxed time. Please, can I just have a picture or something? Like, I'm really, really, really sorry. And David Silva was just like, yeah, definitely. Let's go for it. Sat and spoke to him. He said something like they were sat there for about half an hour just wow. chatting away about loads of stuff. David's the nicest, so just wonderful guy. And yeah, true Rolls Royce of a football player. One of the, I'd, I'll say millions of times, I've been, I've watched a lot of players play at the Etihad Stadium. I've watched, been lucky enough to watch Messi in front of my own eyes, Ronaldo, um, Mbappe, Neymar, Suarez. I've watched a lot of kind of the, the Lewandowski. I've watched a lot of the, the better players over the last decade or so play at the Etihad. The aren't City players, including the best ones over the last decade that are. And David Silva, for me, stands as a cut above the rest as ones that I've been able to watch. Just, just be able to watch him operate in front of my own eyes has been absolute pleasure. I mean, that's so, yeah, best of all time for me. That's an amazing story because, you know, it reminds me a little bit of when I just told you around that um, a guy, I think he, I don't know, I think he asked him for a picture first, but some guy met Fabinho, a player that I love. And it's, you know, it's a shame that my favourite three players of Copera might be all leaving this summer. Um, but he's a player I've loved, you know, and he, a Liverpool fan, asked him for a picture, end up, they ended up talking like your friend David Silva and end up going yeah. for a meal together in the next day so or at evening or something so I think there's sometimes footballers who do go above and beyond um, and I think that's incredible but talk with David Silva does it make you a little bit sad that he never got the farewell he deserved because of yeah. COVID obviously the year he yeah. left was the year where he had the mid-season break or the sort of the March to June break does that sort of almost feel you a little bit of sadness the fact that he never got that that true yeah. Etihad farewell and send off same with Aguero as well because Aguero's last game at home for us was the one where only ten thousand were allowed him mm-hmm. at the end of the at the end of the full COVID season. And I think I don't know if you saw it the other day. I think I tweeted something like, "Is it me or a testimonials gone now? A testimonials a thing anymore?" Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I don't think I've heard one for ages. Because the one I the, the first United game I went to was a Ryan Giggs testimonial. And it was in two thousand and one. We didn't retire for another like ten years. Um. I remember company's testimonial because again went to that one with my little brother, and there's a company he'd just gone to Anderlecht and was the player manager there, wasn't he for for a little bit, and he'd injured himself on on the way, typical company fashion, injured himself just before the game, so ended up missed, didn't play in his own testimonial. Which, like I say, very, very, very Vincent company towards the end of his career. Um, but there was always that promise, like Vincent company got on the mic at the time and he went, because David Silva by that point had already announced, like, look, listen, this is my last year at Manchester City. My contract's up. I'm not renewing it. I'm going back to Spain. And everyone just kind of went, yeah, okay. You do what you, you can do whatever you want, to be quite honest, at this point. And, yeah, Vincent Company got up and he said, I'll be here next year for David Silvers. Don't worry about it. And it never happened. And then a year later, David uh, Aguero leaves and he didn't have one. And then a year later, Fernandinho leaves and the same again. So, like, at this point, I'm just wondering, are testimonials still a thing? Because... Yeah, it's a good point because there's, no, there's never one for, um, you know, for a lot of our legends. Like, you know, I, I've, I, I don't know what... I don't know what the reason is, mate. Mate, yeah, because it's not. We're way past the point where COVID is, COVID is even a worry now. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've not even heard of them for ages. Um, maybe they're just your Henderson know. for Liverpool. You, your Hendersons, your Firminos, Milner, Milner, um, Milner deserves Milner. one. Yeah, you know, guys like that who've been mainstays at the club, been a huge, huge part of that success. You would think that. I don't know. Do you watch the US Office? I actually watched it for the very first time about a month ago and I didn't enjoy it. 
Right, okay. Well, for anyone who's listening who does know it, it's the episode where they try and blump everybody's birthday together in one day. It was Jim and Dwight, and they were like, listen, rather than every other day having to celebrate and do this whole thing for someone's birthday, we're going to have one day where we celebrate everybody's birthday. I don't know if there are clubs out there that are building up, like, we're going to do a testimonial, and we'll wait until we've got 11 testimonials, a goalkeeper, a right-back, a left-back, and they're going, right, we'll do a one testimonial for all of them in one go. I don't know if it's going to be like that, but... Feels like ages since we've had one. Yeah, and you think teams want to do it because of the money you can get from it. Like fans can pay, even if it's like a tenner. That's like they can't make money from that, and it's good for the player. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that planning it and realizing oh, it may not happen. I I don't know. It's it's one. It's hard yeah. to know. Um, final final it's question a... for you before we do end this podcast. Yeah. Um, is finally you know this may be an obvious one. I don't know, but favorite memory as a um as a fan. Um, like I said, I tried to I tried to come up with a, a new one and an old one for you, just because I feel like it's, again, it's like talking about two different football clubs at this point. Uh, as a kid, it was the last last derby at Main Road, three one, uh, with famous old um, and Derby Day the scores were level, then the goat was fed by Neville, silly goat, oh, silly boy, one, yeah. should have known for far, not should have known for sure, feed the goat and he will scar, um. So that one always special, and then I think it was the first one back at the the city of Manchester Stadium. Now the Etihad, that was the four one, and Shamrock Phillips scored that worldie. Um, that was just a great one. And then you're talking new era. Aguero still stands out as the Aguero against QPR. Still, so still to this day, goosebumps whenever I see it. Goosebumps whenever I hear about it. Got on now, alright. Um, so that's a huge one, and then I think now, I think if if not close, if if he hasn't already taken it, it's got to be Rodri smashing the ball home in Istanbul, and or Lukaku, Lukaku save <laughs> against <laughs> for, for Inter. Oh my god, um, what an idiot! Oh, that and just kind of that. Oh, when that final whistle went, because I think when we talk about moments like that, I obviously went fucking crazy when Rodri's goal went in, but then went straight back behind the couch watching it through my fingers. So I don't know if I could truly appreciate that goal until half an hour or so later on. So I because th- what I call it a moment. Um, but obviously Aguero, Aguero or or that one for. Hundred percent sure. Yeah, I think most fans, football fans, even non-city fans, will always remember where they were when the goal got happened. And I remember, obviously, back in twenty twelve, I'd have been in lower, lower, lower sixth form, and my brother was he first year university, but he was back home for some reason, and um, it was obviously he's a Man U fan, so. Of course, this is me, someone who's grown up, you know, I got Champions League win in 2005, I got the FA Cup 2006 and all that, but seeing him, you know, seeing him win league after league after league, it's, um, you know, it, it's, his childhood was very different to mine, whereas adult life was a lot different to mine. You know, I've had a lot more joy yeah. in my 20s than I have my, than my teens and early days. And I think that, I remember that day very special because my brother obviously was there and, you know, most Man U fans, I know some that weren't even watching the game because they were they were just expecting to beat to beat QPR. Everyone thought it was a formality, and then of course you know City went one or up, but then two one down. Of course, Dribble CC scored, Jimmy Mackey and my brother was, and obviously Manu winning one nil. Sunderland, obviously how it how it finished in the end, and I remember just his reaction when the goal went in for Guerrero. He actually fell to his fell to his fell to the floor, um, in just utter despair. I mean. I got I teased him a lot for it, but really I got I got it sort of I got payback karma in a way because I got the Gerald S word and I also got the Gundogan goal, which again is very similar to that day, but with 15, 15 minutes to go rather than fifteen seconds. So yeah, um, I sort of years later I sort of I said to him after that game finished at Villa, I said, you know what, Rob, after all these years I do apologize because I know exactly how you feel now because even to this day I still, you know, when they went 2-0 up with Villa. When it's Gerald managing continuous score on the goal to go two up, I thought it was fate. I was 
all week I was saying to my dad, it's going to happen. Coutinho's going to score a last-minute winner. I had this feeling it's going to happen. And for a while, it was coming up true, even though we were drawing. And I did think for a while, you know, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to bot this. We're going to, City's going to lose and we're going to not even win. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't think if we ever were top of the table that day in the end. But I was thinking, like, when Coutinho scored, I, it felt like fate um, that, that day. I think, for me, that is probably the second worst day ever to fan behind um, the office one I've just mentioned. Uh, it's not, it's not, not a good one. And even though I think he's a great man, that name Gundogan will always stick in my head for a name that will always, along with Denver Bar, will always, will always haunt me. And it's, it, I've got, it's, I don't think I've ever asked a Liverpool fan this. So, does it, I, it might feel like a bad question, but I know De Bruyne set up the third. Does it hurt you a little bit knowing that Sterling came on and changed that game for us? And I don't mean this in like um, a little jab at you, by the way. I'm genuinely curious. Like Sterling that day, I think I said to, I was again, I was, I was at parents watching that with my little brother and said to him, I was like, brought Sterling and Zinchenko on us. And my brother was kicking off because he was like, Sterling's been crap this year. He's, he's rubbish. He's terrible. He's gonna. And I went, trust me, like what Sterling does bring for, for his sins is energy and just trying to drive to the byline and get it in. That's going to work today. And so will Zinchenko. Zinchenko's very clutch. So, and lo and behold, Sterling changed the game for us. Zinchenko then set up Rodri's goal. So, like, it always makes me think a bit like Sterling of all players came on to change that one. And you had your Steven Gerrard and your Coutinho to set it up for you and then Sterling comes on and ruins it. If I'm honest... I'm honest, no, because first of all, I didn't actually realise he'd actually done change the game because I know we actually, we changed channels to Liverpool. I think when it was, literally just before it went to that, we flicked the flick to um Liverpool game. Because then you know, we were drawing at the time and, you know, it's a case where, as we turned over, they then did the split screen and showed that Coutinho had scored. So we saw, oh, we're definitely sticking with it now. And it also happened, it's such a blur, it was like, the, the the split screen was like they scored they scored again they scored again so it's all really happened quickly and I didn't really get time to really think in yeah. actually and also I'm not really someone who hates Sterling I know it's a lot of local fans my dad included who who hates Sterling for leaving but the way I see it yeah you got a team that was Gerald just left the team is in downfall you know you're playing with Balotelli Ricky Lambert and um, Fabio Barini or you can join this exciting project where you're playing with Aguero David Silva Vincent Company, at the time Joe Hart, and I think that it's um we we pinch him from QPR. So not as if he's a local lad; he's from Wimbledon, yeah. from, from Wembley. Sorry, um, so I I don't really view that the same. But I think what hurts me more is uh that same game where the, the Gerald S word happened. Um, I always try to refuse saying that word. Um, yeah. the second goal, which everyone forgets, William scored. Torres set it up, and it could he, he could have scored that easily. But he yeah. We know why he passed it, because he didn't want to score really in that game. But he really would have scored if he was playing against Arsenal, against Chelsea, against Fulham, whether he's scoring against City or Newcastle, he'd have tapped that in. But he he um did pass to William. And for a guy that, for me, to stay, top three players of all time are Firmino, then Torres, and then Gerald, number one. So Torres, the player, even though he left to Chelsea, the one chance that really broke my heart, um, and the player I still love to this day, even though he left us, um... That would, have, that would have been even heartbreaking. The fact that he set it up, it, I looked at more in pain. Um, but of course, yeah, it's um, it's a shame because you know, again, again, Sterling. I know he did win the Champions League, but he has won six six Premier Leagues, five Premier Leagues, whatever it was. He's won a lot of Premier Leagues, and in the day, the Premier League means a lot more to the English players than Champions League means a lot more to the foreign players. So I think for him, he probably grew up as a child wanting to win Premier Leagues. So for him, he. He's and FA Cups, looking at Wembley. Almost got, he's got two goals against Watford in that 6-0. You know, he's a yeah. big, big part of a lot of City's great success. And um, I, I think that he probably yeah. valued that more than just one league and one Champions League. Obviously, he would have got a Champions League if he stayed at City an extra year. Which have, he probably feels a little bit sad about that. But um, yeah, overall, yeah, I don't really yeah. hate him. I just, oh, that's fair. He's making a career move and I think he's got the best out of it. And now he's Obviously, now he's getting a bit older and he's not being well at Chelsea. But this season, with Pochet, he could turn things around again. So, so yeah, no, I don't really view it really as anything too bad. Um, but we are going to end it there. 
Um, so yeah. uh, there has been Yield Trips podcast. So thank you, Aaron, for coming on. No problem. And thank you for having me. And I've we, we, we've had a few exchanges. It's all I always love chatting with you because I think I I learn as much off you as as I do at any other point. So I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. And of course, if you're an NFL fan, you can find Aaron's work on the Secret Work NFL podcast, which is a podcast where he asks NFL fans like myself. I was a guest on it a while ago now, where he asked them how you became a fan in the UK. Obviously, and that that's obviously the best episode that we've got as well. So, oh, is it? Oh, I ask us oh, just by it. far, by far. I mean, no, no disrespect to any of the other guests, but it's by far clearly the best episode. If you haven't yet listened to that and you are an NFL fan, you can find out why I became a Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, but for those who want to follow you on Twitter, Aaron, how can they find you? Um, as you've already mentioned, I am a mank. So dead easy to find me, Aaron the mank. And that's on every social media. It's a statement as much as anything. I am Aaron the mank. So you can find me at Aaron the mank. Brilliant. So if you are listening to it, whether it's in your car, whether you're watching on YouTube, um, either way, do give him a follow because he um does some good um spaces about both, yeah. both sports. Um, you know, he likes his Detroit Lions. Obviously, you'll know he likes Matt, Matt from this episode, he likes Man City. So do check his workout. And if you want to chat with him, he's very open to a DM. Oh yeah, always. And yeah, by the way, if, if I'd like to drop this one in as well there. If you are unsure, because there's like four ways of spelling Aaron apparently now. Um if you've ever seen the key and peel sketch, it's I done messed up Aaron, so Aaron is the 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 correct spelling of Aaron. Okay, so do check him out. But in the meantime, this has been a Eurotrips podcast, both on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. I've been your host Andy. This has been Aaron, and we will see you guys next time. England five, Germany one, one.